Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. Well, today, it is my pleasure to bring you a living legend, Michael Douglas. His career is truly one of the most extraordinary in Hollywood. He's an Academy Award-winning actor and producer, an Emmy winner, the recipient of multiple Golden Globes. The list of accolades goes on and on and on. And across the decades, the films and shows he starred in have captured the times and our imaginations, from Wall Street to Fatal Attraction to Falling Down to Behind the Candelabra. And of course, there's his hilarious and poignant show, The Kaminsky Method. And let me tell you, this season is a treat. If you haven't discovered this show already, please go to Netflix and watch it in its entirety. You will not be disappointed. We talk about all of that, the incredible arc of his career, the lessons and insights, his creative choices, and of course, his on-screen partner across the years, the glorious Kathleen Turner. First of all, great to see you, Michael. I met you back in the day when I was at Vanity Fair with Graydon. Uh, you graced those covers oh. a couple times. Uh, but obviously now I'm at Netflix and I'm loving this podcast and I am thrilled uh, to have you on it. And Thank you, Chris. Season three just broke me. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. It was just one of the best seasons of television and the way you guys pivoted from Alan leaving, how was what was that going to look like? It was just superb, superb. You're the first voice that I've heard, you know, and you're never sure. I mean, I, I liked it a lot. It was, you know, very sweet, soft, but it's very nice of you to say that. I thought he did a, um, a wonderful job, Mr. Laura. You know, he's just a guy so unbelievably successful, but he doesn't get much respect. I mean, I think... <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I just think the writing is oh, so good. He wrote every episode. There's no other writers in this thing and everything else. This guy, he keeps rising, rising to the challenge, you know, to want to do something and, and different. So, uh, but that's very nice to say. Uh, well, well, let me talk a little bit about what makes it so this season a little bit different. It's like, uh, you know, you... Kaminsky Method always had a, its fair amount of great cameos and Margaret, Allison, Janney, you know, but this to see you reunited with Kathleen Turner was just a game changer. And for me, you know, I'm that generation that remembers you and, you know, Romancing the Stone yeah. and Jewel of the Nile. And you have to understand for for the Gen X women that I am, Kathleen Turner was the first time we saw a woman that was gorgeous, but also physical and smart and held her own in that voice and just a thoroughly yeah. modern female on screen that wasn't pigeonholed in any direction, for me at least personally. So you guys yeah. reunited. 
the chemistry still there. Can you just talk about that? How does that happen? Like, how come the second you two are on screen, you're just, it's like right back to what it was 30 years ago. It's, it's truly one of the, as long as I've been doing this for 50 years, it's truly one of those magical elements that, the screen has to do with being a screen actor individually and then as couples. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know for all the reasons that you said and, you know, going back to Romancing the Stone, which was a tough shoot, man, tough shoot. One of those pictures looks like so much fun. And, and that's it's really the effort that you're making. And nobody, I know woman could have done that picture except for Kathleen Turner. Nobody could have gone through because I was producing that film, you know, as well. Like, so nobody could have gone through what she went through, be supportive to me, knowing that I was strung out as also the producer, but could easily have been resentful of the time shared with working with her fellow actor, uh, as opposed to adding a new role <laughs> to her job, which was like helping us in locations, picking up stuff and moving things and just realizing what it was. And I think, I know I was indebted to her and very grateful and, and supportive and she was so helpful. Uh, but as far as that, as that screen thing, it's just, it's, you know, I, I'm, I think about uh, American president, Annette Benning, and we had no kind of very little, no, no, not for any, Reason, but just no contact off screen, relatively none. I mean, maybe she was newly married to Warren Beatty, and I don't know, and maybe whatever. But it was nice. It was always polite, but no contact. And, you know, it's a little worried. And then you saw on the screen and, you know, it kind of comes together. So I don't know. It's that, it's that magic. It's that, it's that thing, no matter how you try. But what I do know, and you think about Hepburn and, 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 and Tracy and, and others, the, the, the comfort and joy and fun and relaxation of working with somebody that you worked with before and, and, and had success, but have had a good relationship. It's just, um, it, it, it's, it's just so, so unique and so helpful. You can talk, you can, you know, talk shorthand. You don't have to go through all those formal steps of introduction and, you know, not worry. Oh, I'm sorry. I stepped on your line and this and that. It gives you a, a relaxation um, and a comfort which you just you know you cherish once once you're fortunate enough to have it, um, and then on to the, the War of the Roses, which you know, really got to that. So I've seen you know I've seen Kathleen obviously over the years, a little here, a little there, but we haven't been say close. And uh, it was what you said, Joy, and she showed up, and we settled right into it. And to see someone like Chuck, who's been there and done everything, get so excited uh, uh, about it, you know, and about chemistry. And, and when you're doing it and when you have it together, you don't think about it, you know, it just uh, it's, it's sort of effortless. So um, I was I was so happy that she uh, that she did this part. And I think there's nice echoes of War of the Roses yeah. kind of uh, kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and it's just nice to fulfill like an adult relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that's just so great about this show and the writing and the acting and the, uh, the 
incredible cast that is assembled here is you guys don't shy away from anything. There's no yes, there's humor. You, there's tragedy that's that's you know offset by 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 the humor of just li- everyday living, which I love. I love the pacing of this. It's so honest. And it's it talks about all the horrible things with aging and also all the beauty that comes with aging. And I'm so curious because I had, obviously this is my first time being able to talk with you. When you first got this, you know, season one, when this script left, did you have, you know, when it landed uh, with your agent or on your lap or sent to you, were you at all hesitant about playing a character that just dives headfirst into all the indignities of aging and what that really looks like. No, I, I, I just, good writing, good writing. <laughs> oh, this is so good. This is so, I mean, I didn't even, I just said, this is so good. You know, it did cross my mind as somebody who came originally out of a television series, Streets of San Francisco in the early seventies, when I was beginning my career, Left the series. I left the series after four years. Big, hot, number one ABC series. ABC was his brand new network. I left it after four seasons to produce. Finally got Cuckoo's Nest together to produce it and then was off the Oscars. But I was in a situation as a producer, Oscar-winning producer, where I was, I was not accepted by most of the movies that I was developing and producing because I was not a movie actor. I was a television actor. So all these years, there was this tremendous separation. And I really took pride in making that jump from television to feature films, which people hadn't done much. I mean, Steve McQueen had done it. Clint Eastwood had done it. But you count that after me, I think John Travolta. But it wasn't done. It was two separate worlds. And the argument was, well, you know, in, in movies and television, they can see you for free. But movies, they got to pay to see you. You know, and this was the thing. So when this whole streaming thing, you know, came up and um, the Kaminsky method, my first introduction, and I said, what a, what a phenomenon this, this, this streaming thing is, largely because it's the first time that television and film can come together, you know, and it's uh, people out of feature, out of film, because there's so many good writers in streamings because they, they left feature films. Uh, because they make a hell of a lot more money by being the writer and the producer on a lot of shows. So the writing is just so is so good in this area. So, no, I didn't think about, I mean, it made me laugh, the kind of stuff and, uh, you know, dealing with the reality. Um, I didn't. I mean, it's funny. I'm thinking now I'm re- I've read a really good script. Um, I, I really like it a lot, but I, I, the script, but I'm too young for it. And it, it needs a guy... <laughs> It needs a guy in his 80s. It really needs a guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it needs like it needs an Alan Arkin or, or an older or, or a slightly younger George Burns sort of thing. I've been struggling how to do it, and I, and I don't. So this just was felt like right in the and the, the way I look at it at this point, Krista. You know, number one is the writing. You know, if you got you know a really good writing, you got a great foundation. Then it's your production. Uh, and then he and Chuck has come. He's got a great casting uh, team that he's been with for 20 years. And you look at all his shows, he's cast un- unusually. And it's so reflective on Hollywood, which I love, too. And I, I feel like just you being in it adds a whole other level of authenticity about the 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 acting studio and the in the valley and what that means. And it's 
you know, looking at your career, it's kind of staggering because you are a man of all seasons. You really are. And the different levels and vulnerability and difficulties of masculinity, you've pretty much played. And it's so great to see you in this show. And I love, of course, I remember Streets of San Francisco. And you're not giving yourself enough credit because, yes, Steve McQueen and, yes, Clint, but they were in Westerns. It was genre. You were everyday guy. So you had to go from everyday modern to modern movie star. So I don't I don't think I'm going to give you a little bit more credit. That was a huge that that was a huge moment. So I kind of just want to talk about those choices early on that you made as that young actor. You know, is there one particular moment when you're like, okay, I've got it. I've arrived. Obviously, you're 32. You're winning an Oscar for One Flew Over This Cuckoo's Nest who, you know, 30, 30, 30. Oh, my God. (laughs) 30. And everybody thinks, oh, you're Kirk Douglas's (laughs) son. It's like, oh, this is handed to you. But we all know that that's not true. That that's a that's for another podcast about what right. what comes the good and the bad that comes with with the name. But can you talk to me about what were those? What was that moment when you knew, even after you had an Oscar, that like I'm going to make this as an actor? This is a defining moment for me. This is this now it's shifted. I had two movies that came out uh, three months apart, um, and uh, one one was uh, Wall Street. And the other was Fatal Attraction. And professionally, from the outside, I felt like I'd made it. I really made it. And the other thing that happened that year was that I, you know, I never had, even though my mother was an actress and my father was an actor, I never had any, you know, desire, maybe in defensive or anything else. And, and it wasn't really until I was in, 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 in college out in the uh, University of California, Santa Barbara, and I was like a, a hippie. And I was going to school but having a great time. And they called me into the office and said, look, you got to declare a major. You can't just take these general education courses and everything else. So I said, well, man, man I'll do, I guess I'll take theater. You know, I thought it would be easy. I've been around my mother Broadway, New York, and of course my father on the set. So really, the motivation was kind of getting getting through. And I had terrible stage fright. Terrible, you know. Used to a lot of stories have a waste basket, get sick, and, and all of that. So my point is, I didn't enjoy it. For me, it was always a a. It was just a challenge overcome my stage fright. And even when and then we got into the television series and everything else and. That, that big camera looked like the x-ray machine in a doctor's office. And, and then somebody early on in my career said, you know, the camera can always tell when you're lying. Said, Ooh, the camera can tell when you're lying. And so the early part of my career was spent kind of almost, almost method acting and trying to get down to, to that, you know, so we, I, I'm in the camera, I don't, well, well, no, I'm lying. It's like I'm just tearing myself apart. And I got together I'm working for, for Fatal Attraction, you know, and um, I was, okay, okay, this works. All right, a, a lawyer in New York. Yeah, I, I, I can be a, a lawyer in New York, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a possibly an act of indiscretion. So well, that's possible. And all of a sudden I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, 
I mean, how far is this character from, from me? So isn't it really an exercise in trying just to be closer to yourself rather than trying to make these characters? And I had this moment where all of a sudden I, I realized, because the pe people had told me that the camera can tell that you're lying. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute, I think I've come close to lying every day. Not something, a little white lie here. We all lie. We all tell a little likewise to everybody else. And it just totally freed me up. But I turned into this like a giggling idiot. And it totally turned it around. I said, I can do anything. I, can, I just have to convince. I mean, this is lying. Acting is lying. This is not truth. And so that, that was the year. Those two pictures came out. One, one I won an Oscar as an actor. The other one was a big uh, commercial success, along with a new attitude. Uh, about how to, and, and that was probably the year that things changed. Well, you mentioned those two movies, and right there you can say to someone, Gordon Gecko, Bunny Boiler, and they know exactly what those movies are. And now we're in 2021, and I bet you I could go out on the street right now on Sunset Boulevard and say that and pick people and they would know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You have said before that you have a common touch which is, you know, that zeitgeist, you have a feeling of what, you know, what people are going to want to talk about and think about before they even know it themselves. Where does that come from? And these two films, ironically, that you that you brought up are, are, are a perfect example of that. And we could go into coma, China syndrome, falling down and all falling. Oh, my God. That's one of my favorite ones in L.A. with the traffic yeah. I, or the game, all of it. I mean, you're you're almost Tom Brady of actors at this point in terms of how many times. Yes, you haven't won every Super Bowl, but neither has he. But you've right. won most of them. What do you attribute that to? Producing and keeping up on on current events. Um, as a as a producer, you really learn about structure. And so I, I learned at an early age. You know, you read stuff. You read stuff. And when you, when you read something, ooh, you're excited. And I don't know how, whether I'm going to get scared, whether I find it's hot and sexy, uh, or it's funny, whatever it is, but I'm reading it and it's got my attention and I like it. And then I put it down and I'm still finding myself haunted by it a little bit. I'll go back a second time and I look at it and then I stay emotionally removed and I structurally look at it and I'm able to break it down and see if structurally in three, if it really holds up and the foundation is there like a good, strong foundation. So then I know that I'm on, I'm on, on sound footing. Then what am I trying to do? Then I'm trying to, even as I'm the actor, producer, I'm trying to cast it with the best people I possibly can. I've never been threatened about actors being good or better, giving a better performance. All I've ever seen, all I know that works, this is going back to Paul Newman, which is really where I picked it up from him, is you want to surround yourself with the best people because if they're good, you're going to be good. You know, you're going to be good. So it's a, it's a combination of, of um, basically not thinking like an actor, thinking about the whole picture. You know, actors, the beauty of actors is you get paid to be selfish. You get paid just to, you know, act with who's in front of you and this and that, and not to be aware of anything else around you. Producing, you have to know everything, 360 degrees, what's going on. And so 
at some point in my career, I stopped doing them together because it wasn't enjoyable. And then I guess that combined with, um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a news junkie and, and current events, and I like to feel that I have a pulse on, on what's going on. We were talking about Falling Down, which was a, Ebby Rose Smith wrote the script, and, and uh, it was a movie, a little cable, it would be a little cable movie. But I thought, here's this, what a great concept. This guy was just after the Vietnam War and all of that, and this guy working for a defense company. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the Cold War was over. We didn't need him anymore. And he got a pink slip, you know, to, he was fired. We don't need you. And a guy saying, well, I'm, I'm an American. So those are the kind of things. And if it, if it hits me, you know, for what I know in, in life, then I think there's a few other people out there that it is. But I, I do it for myself because I don't do it for, you know, what the audience might like. or I do it if it's because I'm the one spending the time. And hopefully, you know, it'll be something that other people will be interested in, too. Um, are there any of these characters that come back and, and haunt you in a positive way that you think about that you've played? I mean, I'm sure people come up to you on the street when they see you and spout Wall Street lines or something. They must, right? Yeah, they've all got their, their greed is good. You know, they all got their, their pictures. Yeah, Wall Street is up there. But I'm always surprised there's, there's other ones. No, I, I, uh, I, I'm embarrassed to say I never see the movies again. I mean, I, I see most all the pictures. Hopefully, I'll see them one time, either before premieres or something. And I love the process of making them and everything. I can't say I'm a big filmographer and understand the histories of them. And um, I kind of move on just to something else. And then ultimately, you look like a like I look like a ball player. I say, okay, you got a good batting average, you know. Can't say they're all home runs and everything, but you got a lot of hits in here. A lot of even the singles and doubles, you know. Most of my films have been relatively, relatively inexpensive in terms of my productions and smaller budgets. I am, I am conscious of somewhat guilty about the cost of making entertainment. You know, what's going on in this world for two hours of entertainment? It's a little spooky. How much we spend? So, uh, I mean. Say that I'm I'm enjoying Ant Man, you know, but it's not. I'm just in the cast there and having a good time. I mean, it is. You're you're Sandy uh, in the Kaminsky, and then you're in a giant Marvel movie with Paul Rudd that my boys love. Ant Man, you know. So I see you through their eyes, and that's super fun. Must admit that was calculated. I mean, when they came to me with that, and that was part of their pitch. I said, "That's right. It's a whole other audience." Yeah. And so I have each other, hey, Pim, you're Ant-Man, you're Ant-Man. Yes, thank you. You know, I never anticipated. So to have all this whole bunch of young kids is, is, is been pleasant. Um, one of the other things I want to talk to you about, which is also unique to your career, is you've always worked with strong women. You've always had an equal footing uh, on on the stage with whether it's Glenn Close. Obviously, I think you two are, are close. I just was, um, you know, she's got Hillbilly Elegy out now, and I've, I've talked with her a bunch, and she has such great memories of, of working with you. Sharon Stone, obviously, in Basic Instinct. Kathleen Turner, who we talked about. Uh, Demi Moore in Disclosure. Was that cognizant on your part? I think it's two things. I think it's, you know, I was one of the earlier, I mean, one of the earlier producer actors. And so... The actresses, uh, I think, especially when they always knew that um, 
that I was looking out for them. Even, even when they knew if I was the producer of the film, that would, they knew that it, was, it wasn't going to be like cutting, you know, for me, be for the scene. And, and uh, you know, always kind of just knowing and, and having them trust in everything so they felt comfortable. Whether we were doing uh, sex thrillers or psychological thrillers or, or, or this or that. I, I also think that this goes back to really what why I love Cuckoo's Nest so much. You got to remember when, when um, I did Cuckoo's Nest, five actresses turned the part of Nurse Ratchet down because the political mood in the country was a woman could not play a villain. And Anne Bancroft, Colleen Dewhurst, Angela Lansbury all turned the part down. Um, and because politics of the time was times no you're not don't be a don't be a, a a villain whereas for an actor all you ever wanted was a good villain you love villains they've been the most the most fun voila louise fletcher went on and you know got a, got an oscar so there's been this you know this dichotomy struggle which is i've, I've sort of in most of the stories have dealt with that in one way or, or the uh, or or the other um, and I just think that's an, an important part, you know, of our of our existence. I guess I can say that also comfortably because my mother was an actress, and I remember growing up with my mother when she'd be in the theater and going into Broadway or something to see a show, and they would share dressing rooms. You had to dress together. You go in there, and and, and men and women. So. For me, there was a comfort factor, and I think maybe that had a lot to do with it. I'm very comfortable with women, and I think it probably attributed a lot of that to my, to my mother and just, you know, growing up at, at that time. But at the same time, recognized there was a lot of unfinished business between the two sexes. Hmm. One of the things that's great that Kaminsky Method touches on a lot, and especially in this season, is fear and legacy. And does so beautifully. For you as an actor, are there things that you still fear? Yeah. I mean, there, I mean there's, there's real fears. My memory. Memorizing lines takes, takes a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, that's why good writing makes it a little easier. But I, I worry and, and uh, I, I don't enjoy struggling uh, about, about that. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's... I haven't really done a um, um, a period movie. I mean, it was not it was not a conscious effort, but my almost my entire career, except for one movie, World War II picture I did with Melanie Griffith, has all been contemporary. Um, I guess that's just a reflection I say about just of current events and reading so many papers and just keeping up what's going on. But I've never had a real a, a, a fascination or attraction to uh, to period stuff. Mm. So for for you, what do you think about in in terms of like what do you want your legacy? Like I love the way Chuck dealt with those things and bringing Kathleen and Morgan Freeman. I mean, you have these like titans of of this industry kind of dancing around these issues. It was delicious, and and I was very moved by it. And it made me start thinking about my own life, even though I'm, I'm obviously not an actor, but but about those decisions and, and your legacy and every little, it's a thousand little steps that 
that accumulate over a lifetime? Well, it's so nice to talk to you because, um, you know, I'm not in L.A. and I live, you know, just most of most of my life has been in Santa Barbara, California. My first marriage or back east here with Catherine and and second. So I'm not um, it's just nice to be reminded. I don't really you know, I haven't thought about my legacy yet. I still got to find my burial plot. Um, so I'm so, um, I, I just try to, you know, I just try to do good, good work, try to get it, you know, find good stuff to do. And I, uh, however I can find it. And, uh, and I, I do quietly pat myself on the back when I look over, over 50 years now and say, okay, so you got a, you got a pretty good batting average, buddy. So, you know, don't, don't be too tough on, on yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm not really con- consumed with having the, the the best part or the starring show showcase role and uh, anything. I I just go with the material, and I figure it'll work out for everybody. And I I do seem to be attracted to to putting myself in, in impossible situations and um, finding a way to get out, and the audience just seem to enjoy that. I also enjoy, this is why I like the Chuck of the show. I also love doing stuff that's, that's, that's real in the sense that combines pathos with humor. Um, because that's what life is. It's not one steady thing. So I, I love, and it's not easy going in that gray area where you can be a little dramatic. I mean, this show, this show's got some, some tears in it, you know, and everything else. I love Chuck. He sits right at the top of the show. He has Alan's burial. You know, it's like, <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean. It's like it opens with a funeral. And I didn't know where, what ride I was going to go on. Like I said, because yeah. it's, it's, it's Alan's not there anymore. And I will tell you, in the last episode, I was bawling. And wow. it was like a bawling of this, like it was cathartic and it just felt... I was so moved by it, all of it. And I think yeah. it is because I live in Hollywood and I've seen these things up close and I've covered it for two decades and it just, all of it. Um, and also some personal stuff with, with loss. Uh, it, I, I felt it was it was very, very moving. Oh, uh, that's, uh, well, I'm really touched. You're the first person. You'll you'll hear it. You'll hear it a lot, Michael. I'll tell you that you no. will hear it a lot when you talk to more people. But I was a little nervous about you know going on without Alan. You know, I must you know, say, do I really? You know, just let sleeping dogs lie. They're all going to you know, it's the perfect thing. Oh, where's Alan and and all of that. So it it it, it, it that's been an area so where I would care about other people's opinions more than I normally normally would. You know, mm-hmm. is there was something that was there before. Mm-hmm. Well, I also know that it's uh, obviously it's been very public and, and and private, but you fought hard for your family and you have a great family unit. And I'm a giant fan of, of your wife's uh, as well. Chicago was just on the other day on television. I watched the whole all thing right. all the way through. She's fabulous. Uh, but you're also a grandpa now. <laughs> and I am. Yeah. Oh, call, they call me Bubba. Bubba. Okay, so you're a Bubba, Bubba. now. Um, I'm a bubba. That's got to feel great. Uh, 
It can, yeah, it does. I was, thank God my daughter who's going away to college next year is going to be out of the house because there's a strange thing about having grandchildren when you still have a, a, a daughter or a son in the house. You know, it doesn't quite resonate with, oh, kids, I'm so glad. My, my, I've got, my last one's not out of the house yet. Now I got it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really a treat. I love they're in California. Uh, and I, I must say, I, I enjoy, enjoy it so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've got an actor in uh, in some of these this offspring, right? It's inevitable. For sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, so and they're good. They're really good. I mean, I'm my, my camera. My oldest son now is he's settling in. You know, I'm happy for him. He's had you know it's a, a late break because he's spent. A fair share eight years of his adult life incarcerated, so he's getting a, a, a fresh start. He's excited about it in his early forties, being in his forties, and the young, the two younger ones both are got the bug. So, wow, we'll see. So that leads me to my question, which I ask every single person I interview, which is, what is your advice for young creatives? trying to make a way for themselves in this industry today? Because I know it looks a lot different than it did when when you were starting out um, in the 70s. But in a weird way, there's almost more opportunity. So I'm so curious to to hear your perspective on that. Well, the uh, besides streaming, the biggest change in, in my career in all the time is from analog to digital. And the reality is, and you're seeing it, it's part of the problem is that everybody's a star now. Everybody's on TikTok. Everybody, you know, that phone, that little phone you got, it can do everything. And you literally, I mean, uh, Steven Soderbergh has already made one movie. So people now, you can actually get it done. The, the problem with, with um, any kind of movies and stuff before was it was so expensive. And it pro- prohibited you, you know, so much. But now people... Um, you know, whether it's, it's shorts or what you're seeing on YouTube or all of that, it's, it's just amazing what you, what you can accomplish. So I, I would encourage uh, anybody, depending on their area, because you can, you can act, you can perform on it, and this and that. You can, you can edit together. You can submit it to people and all. So it's a much broader world out there, much more accessible Plus this tremendous advantage of um, this insatiable appetite of streaming. It's fantastic. I always said, God, would this be if you were stuck on a desert island or anything? The only thing you had was you could have one thing. But I have Netflix. I said, Netflix. I could live my whole life, you know, watching 10 hours a day and never, you know, be be finished at all. So I think that's the... um, um, that's the the biggest advantage is you know doing all of that, and then finding finding a couple of the right people you know. Hmm. All right, and then the other question is going to be a really tough one. How have you remained a New York Jets fan <laughs> this entire time with all of I that know. disappointment? Uh, I don't know. It's just I'm a glutton for punishment, and here I am once again saying. It looks good, though. I mean, we're gonna have number two pick, and I think gonna get. We got a new quarterback coming in, and a lot of this guy Joel Douglas. I mean, maybe it's because we got the same last name, but um, this general manager. Uh, I, I, it's it's hard, man. It's it's hard. I'm, I'm yet not wearing a paper bag over my head, but uh, this this could be the year. 
<laughs> this could be the year. Um, Michael, this was so fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. And again, congratulations on Kaminsky Method. So nice to see you again after all this time. I appreciate your kind words. I really do. Thanks so much for joining me. The Kaminsky Method is streaming now on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company.